0: Good morning! This is the Ion on Health Show, 97.1 FM Talk. Uh, we're here in St. Louis. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day, except for the fact that it's uh, kind of overcast and raining and the cold air hurts my face. But other yeah. than that, it's a beautiful day it's today. It's not
1: too bad. <laughs> it's
0: not too bad. It, it hey,
1: could be worse. By the way the song back in black and we literally are back we are wearing black t-shirts today. we coordinated
0: it's like we texted each and other and he's so got black on too yeah, yeah oh yeah. my oh, god oh, oh,
1: oh. our guest did not get the memo our though. guest did
0: not get the memo <laughs> he no.
1: does not have a black t-shirt on but yeah
0: that was so, good that
1: worked that out good. pretty well
0: it, yeah. it worked out perfectly yeah
1: but excited about uh today's show we kind of been prepping yes. it for promoing it for a while
0: yeah yeah it's going to be a great show today so so our our guest today. Let's just jump right into that. Our guest today is Dr. Ed Weisbart. And Dr. Weisbart, among other things, he's a a longstanding family practitioner. So he's a longstanding physician. Has had a lot of business leadership positions in the field of medicine. Uh, Most recently was the chief medical officer for Express Scripts, which is a so basically an executive for a ginormous company. Uh, if anybody understands healthcare and the way it's paid for and how things work, it's Dr. Weisbart. And in the last few years, Dr. Weisbart has been uh, active in the uh, in an organization called Physicians for a National Health Plan, has given more than uh, 500 talks for that. And uh, he's going to talk to us today about uh, about a topic that's uh, of some controversy, which is Medicare for all. So we're going to talk about Medicare for all as a possible solution for for that which ails us. Uh, to kind of to kind of explain how we're going to do this, so we have Dr. Weisbart here, who is advocating for Medicare for all, uh, on my right side, and on my left side we have uh, Dr. Michael Jones, who is. Probably going to be kind of opposed to Medicare yeah. for all. Is that fair to
1: say? That's fair to say. Fair to say. Wait yeah. a minute. This seems like you said this is a ringer here. This is a ringer. He's given like five hundred talks on this.
0: I, I know. <laughs> Did I mention he's given like five hundred talks? That's okay. That's all right. Doctor jo- Doctor Jones is great he, on he, the air. He so he, uh,
1: uh-huh. he walked me into a trap here. I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not, not not my not well, my intention. The thing at all.
1: with this is though, uh-huh. um, even yeah. just a regular practicing physician that has to deal with this stuff every day. Yeah. You you don't. Necessarily have to be an expert to understand and talk about it. So true, true. Um, yeah. yeah, But and, so and, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and <laughs> all,
0: all three of us have been business people and have yeah, dealt right. with have dealt with that kind of stuff. Right. So so we'll have we'll have the two opposing sides, but we're going to make this more of a more of a friendly discussion instead of a debate because I think the debates you see on TV are just kind of stupid. Yeah, you know, you,
1: know, you start to uh, nothing gets accomplished. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and one thing I think everyone can agree on is our current system. Isn't working great for everyone, exactly, or (laughs) anyone. Not for the patients. Yes. Not for the physicians that are involved in it. So something has to happen, right? Amen. Got to be some kind of changes going on. I think we can all agree on that. I I
0: think (laughs) all three of us agree on that. Oh, this this is just an awesome way to start. Yeah, all three of us. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to fly high above any kind of partisanship stuff. And we're not going to worry about, you know, like what what does our favorite political party telling us to think? You know, we're not going to worry well, about that. I think that. that's and honestly part of the discussion. problem. I think so, too. Absolutely. You know, you get
1: into your partisan corners and yeah. I don't think I don't think either party is uh, untainted by yeah. where they have led us to to this point.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I
1: do think um, if we're never going to make any changes, if it's I'm not going to do this because it's my party opposes it and i i want right. to do this because my party is for it yeah nothing's going to happen if that's the way it's going to go so yeah i think the partisanship actually has led us to where we are
0: i i think so too and so yeah.
1: but but it's almost impossible to rise above it at least on cable news because everyone has taken their sides yeah, you take yeah. their their corners are set and they've taken their side, Yeah,
0: so. and, it's, and it's all like blah 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 and it's all like talking points that can fit on a bumper sticker
1: you know, so <laughs> it exactly doesn't fit right. on a bumper sticker. They that's don't, ex- don't so, even it's so say true. It. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So, so I think we're already all in agreement that it's that, messed up currently. Yeah. So I think what we want to do, if this sounds okay with you, Dr. Jones, is before the commercial break, we want to hear from Dr. Weisbard and maybe a little bit from you also about what you perceive as the current problem. Well, why, are, why are things messed up and why do we want things to be different than they are now? So uh, so if we, we could start with you, Dr. Weisbart, uh, can you tell us, uh, first of all, thank you so much for being here. We're really, we're just thrilled to death that you're here. And uh, can you tell us, uh, can you tell us what, what is your view of, of what's wrong with the current system? What is it that needs fixing?
2: Sure. Well, thanks again for inviting me. Um, it's interesting the way you set this up about how uh, everybody now agrees we need to change things. If you think back just 10 years ago, before the ACA, there wasn't that consensus. The main pushback against the ACA was, no, everything's fine, thank you. We don't need to change anything. Very few people are saying that. Most people are saying what you just said. And the reason that they're saying that now is because people are seeing the problems of they just simply can't afford to go to the doctor. They can't afford their prescription drugs. Some can't do it at all. Hospitals are closing, especially in states like Missouri. And, and we're seeing the uh, erosion of one of the best healthcare systems in the world. And we do have one of the best healthcare systems in the world. People from around the world who have enough funds come here because they know that the United States of America has many of the world's best doctors and hospitals and nurses and pharmacists. The problem is we just don't let everybody in. Hmm. When people can get in to American healthcare, it's spectacular. The problem is we don't let people in.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. Um, yeah. And then there's the problems on the other end, our end which is the way the current system has been set up, none of us have enough time for our patients in general. <laughs> mm-hmm. All of us, uh, um, especially as a primary care doctor, you experience this, but even as a, as a surgical specialist, I experience this, we are forced to see more and more people in, in the same amount of time. And there's more and more time constraints on the doctor with doing electronic records, and you know the insurance thing is a fiasco, and all of the effort that goes involved with just seeing one patient, let alone trying to get through an afternoon of 50 patients, which is quite literally how many patients I saw yesterday afternoon, 50. Wow, That is not sustainable either. And so um, our current system has brought us to the point where, yeah, we have very good healthcare, but it seems like to me, it's not a sustainable thing. And you are gonna get to a point where doctors say, forget it, it's just not worth it. I, you know, I'm not gonna kill myself to see 50 patients. And so that's kind of where we're at. It's a wonderful system and yeah, we want more people in, but I don't know how we're going to take care of the ones we've got <laughs> right now because, I, you know, it's, it's already, the system's already getting tapped. So no, yeah.
2: you're, you're right, Steve, that yeah, there's a yeah. lot that we agree about. And one of the mm-hmm. things that we agree the most about is that we have allowed the system to become so driven by the way the insurance is set up, by the way yep. the economics work, mm-hmm. and not by the way clinical care has right. to happen. That <laughs> yeah, as sure. a result, you know, doctors spend half of our time not seeing patients. In Canada, primary care physicians spend two and a half hours a week doing non-clinical work. Wow. Here, doctors spend 20, 30, or even 40 hours a week yeah. doing that. So yeah. the problem uh-huh. is that we... We a, distract ourselves from actually taking... And we love seeing patients. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the good, right. That's if the good part. you could part, spend yeah. 15
1: or 20 minutes with every patient, which sounds crazy, 15 or 20 minutes is nothing. Yeah. But it's better than the one or two minutes sometimes you're forced to spend with a patient. Right. So if we could just somehow find a way to allow doctors to have more time to, to spend with their patients, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. yes, right. Something's got to change. The question is, um, what's... I guess I guess what we're where we're at before the ACA is... What's better, the devil you know or the devil you don't know, right? So we don't want to change into something that maybe is worse than where we're at right now. And I think that's where I think that's where the controversy comes in. So, all right. So hey, we're up. To the all right. Loaded question going into the first break. We got to go. Uh, we got to pay some bills of our own. So we're gonna go um, take a break. When we come back, we're gonna have more of this discussion. It's exciting. All
0: right. Be back soon. We're Back ninety seven point one. As the music fades away, FM Talk. This is the Ion Health Show, and our topic today is uh, Medicare for All. And we've got Dr. Ed Weissbart on the right side of me here and and uh, Dr. Michael Jones on the left side of me. It should have been the other way around, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it should have been the other yeah. way around. But I'm, I'm literally standing now, in
1: between you guys. From Chad's point of view, uh-huh. it's correct. It is Chad, correct. Yes, Chad, from Chad's point of view. I'm on Chad's right. And yeah, he's and, on right. Chad's that's left. Right. Yeah. From yeah. Chad's point of view, it works. So. From,
0: from Chad, exactly everything. The audience good. perspective. From, from the that's audience right. perspective, it all go. works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're talking about Medicare for all, and uh, let's let's hand it over to Doctor Weispert. And can uh, let's kind of jump right into it. Can you tell us what what can you tell us what is the Medicare for all proposal? or proposals and what does it involve and what are some of the common misunderstandings about it and kind of give us the, give us the basics.
2: Sure. It's actually really simple and it's not changed for decades. The proposal started in the 1980s in this form and it hasn't changed at all. And it's just a very simple idea. Take Medicare, which we have today and which have has extended lives of seniors, has rescued seniors from poverty. It's beloved by seniors. Take traditional Medicare Improve a handful of things that are that are not right about it. Mm-hmm. Get rid of the copays. Get rid of the deductibles. Include dentistry. Include eyeglasses. Include hearing aids and a few other things. Mm-hmm. Take Medicare. Improve it in those ways, and then let's make sure everybody in the country has it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that way you're in control. You get to pick from virtually any doctor in the country. Uh, from virtually any hospital in the country, nobody takes away your control, nobody takes away your choice, um, hmm. and no surprise medical bills, because every, every virtually every doctor in the country would be in the network. Um, there would be a few who wouldn't, but virtually every doctor would be in. So the idea right. of going to the right hospital at, with the right surgeon and doing all the right things, and then two months later getting a surprise bill from your radiologist, your anesthesiologist, because they're not in the network, right. that kind of surprise medical bill that's that's devastating would be a thing of the past. Yes. So it's yes. just take Medicare, improve a few things, and then let everybody in the country have it. We actually save money if we do that. There have been 29 studies that have shown that if we did that, the country would either break even or spend significantly less. So, you know, uh-huh. every other country spends roughly half of what we spend on health care. Yeah. And I happen to per be a person. really proud yeah. American. I'm mm-hmm. a really proud American. So mm-hmm. I I have to believe that the United States of America can figure out how to do at least as well as the rest of the world does.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they spend less and on many outcome measures they're doing on many outcome measures. They're doing better than we are. Please. They spend they spend yeah. half and they spend, live two or
2: three years longer.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 And, and uh, so I think one one thing that uh, one thing that bothers some people is this is the potential expense of Medicare for all of putting everybody under that umbrella. What are, the, what are the potential savings with Medicare for All, or where, where would the savings come from?
2: So first, it's it's clear that we can afford to do this, right? Yeah. If we're spending double whatever the other country spends, of course we can afford to do this. Now, would it be expensive for the tax system? Well, yeah, there, it would be publicly mm-hmm. funded, so of course there would be a tax component. But 95 or more percent of Americans would spend less out of their pocket every year on health care. Mm-hmm. The overwhelming majority of Americans would of course, have something to do in the tax model, but they would no longer have to pay a premium. You know, premiums can be—I think the average premium for a family of, of four now is north of twenty thousand dollars a year. Wow. Um, yeah. So premiums are outrageously expensive, yeah. and those would disappear under this proposal. So, yeah. of course, there'd be a—it's ta- a publicly funded program. So of course, there would be people that would have to pay—you know—some tax on this, but the overwhelming majority of us would pay a smaller tax bill than what we would save. And then we would be in control, right? We would yeah. be able to go anywhere. Today, if you get sick, the first thing you have to do is look up and see, well, which doctor is in my insurance company? So we're right. paying the insurance companies to tell us what doctors and hospitals we can't go to. Yes. Why yes. would we pay hire somebody to tell us who we can't go to for our health care? Yes.
0: And, and, and I guess we could argue that we're also hiring them to tell us what treatments we can't have. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Why would we do that? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody else does that. No it's, no, it's American for some reason. We have to stop that part of it. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: So um, I do think probably the number one concern most of us have is is affording this. And even on like conservative estimates of, let's say, Bernie Sanders plan, they're estimating 32 trillion dollars over 10 years. And that's on Bernie's plan. Elizabeth Warren's plan is maybe a little north of 40. So that's, that's a let's say if we go with Bernie's numbers, it's about 3.2 trillion on top of what we already spend in our in our federal budget, which is like mm-hmm. almost four trillion. That's a doubling of our federal budget, but we can't even pay for what we're spending right now. We're like a trillion dollars in debt every single year because we can't afford it. So I think the number one concern we have is how are we going to simply afford something like this? But then you also look when they say, not only are we going to cover cover us, any single person that comes in, regardless of immigration status, we're going to cover. Now you take that $32 trillion, and again, it's just going to go and, and be even greater. So we, there's other aspects of what I want to talk about later, like access and quality of care and all of that. But I think the first thing we all have to get over is how on earth is this country going to afford to pay for this when we can't even afford what we're paying right now?
2: Well, the, the answer to that, of course, is that it's the only thing we can afford to do. You quoted a number of thirty-two trillion. You have to remember that that the estimates are that our current trajectory is thirty-four to fifty trillion. Right, but so, I get
1: that. So let's say, let's say right and so what you're saying is that's what we'd pay right now if we we're paying like Blue Cross and these private plans, right? That's like our total healthcare expenditure that we'd all be paying under our current system. But let's say I don't like my blue cross plan. I can go shop it around wherever I want. If I don't like my government plan and I gotta pay taxes on it, there's no out, right? The out is you go to jail if you don't pay your taxes. So at least in the current system, there's competition. And I think I think, you know, pretty much everyone understands competition is good because it 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 helps us pick and choose what we want and it keeps kind of everyone on the level. If the government is it and there is no alternative, and then like in Bernie's plan. It is illegal to have another alternative. There's no private alternative plan you can have. You're kind of forced into the system. What do you do if you're not happy with it? So
2: choice is a really important thing to probably to every human and certainly to every American. We want control of our own decisions. I want to know that if I have a disease and I find that Dr. So-and-so is the doctor that I think I want to go see, I want complete control over that decision. Americans want choice and want control of their own health care because they want to be able to go to any doctor or hospital. I don't want my insurance company to be able to say, here's the. N-. Right. It's like when I was driving last week from, or two weeks ago from Columbia to Kirksville and my cell phone lost coverage, right? I, I don't want to have to pick my cell phone network based on where I'm planning to be in the country. I want to pick right. my cell phone. I want choice of cell phone, and I want a darn good network for get, the whole country. I,
1: right, and I get that. Um, mm-hmm. So, But don't you think, like, uh, first of all, we haven't even touched on the fact that we still haven't covered how we're going to pay for it. Um, at least Bernie's honest saying, look, your taxes are going to go up, right? Everyone's taxes are going to go up. Now, Elizabeth Warren says, no, your taxes aren't going to go up. And I think, I think we'll all understand that is simply not going to work. Your taxes will go up. What Bernie's saying is you're going to trade your your um, premium money, you're going to trade that for a, a tax increase. That's basically what he's saying.
2: For a smaller tax so, increase. So
1: that, so that, but the yeah. taxes will go up. But again, if I don't like the premium I'm paying for Blue Cross, I can at least maybe shop it around and try to find something different. If I don't like the premium amount I'm paying for my tax increase with a government plan and I decide not to pay my taxes, I'll go to jail.
2: See, that's actually a fallacy. Most Americans do not have a choice of a whole range of insurance companies. Most Americans have to pick among the few, if any, that their employer is offering. So So it's not the Americans making the choice. It's the
1: employers making the choice. It is the the employers, right? And so the other thing is the payroll tax is definitely going to go up under both plans, Bernie and Elizabeth. The payroll tax is going to skyrocket. and there are no premiums. And their argument is, well, the employer. But again, one thing that every business goes through every year Right around this time, usually, Mm -hmm. is we start shopping around which plans are we going to offer for our employees, what's going to be the best cost savings, you won't have that option. It'll be, here's what the government's telling you you have to pay in payroll tax, whether you like it or not. If you don't like it, you can go to jail or go out of business, right? I think competition is good, so why not make it so that these plans are more portable state-to-state? We don't have these things where you can't cross state lines. Why don't we have more private options rather than fewer private options or zero private options? If we're trying to increase choice,
2: so why is healthcare expensive in the United States? It's price. And why are prices so high? Though well, there's two reasons. One is because we're not doing much to manage price. Everybody in the system, other than patients, wins the higher the prices go. And then number two, because of the infrastructure that we require to maintain this insurance bureau. A third of what we spend on healthcare, 31% of what we spend on healthcare, is to manage to, to support the insurance industry. It's not for healthcare. So, of course, we could do this less expensively.
1: If you okay, we're going to a break here. But if you're telling me the government and its bureaucracy is less than a private company's bureaucracy, all I will do is point to the minimum estimate of 2.1 billion dollars spent on a website for Obamacare. If Blue Cross spent 2.1 billion on a website, they'd go out of business. The bureaucracy is going to be the same or more. If we go to a government system, than if we have a private system. I think but we got
0: actual a, numbers on that. So a look, we got a look, actual numbers but, right, on great. that. Okay,
1: we got to go to break. We got all a heart right. out here. So stay tuned. We're going to have more eye on health after these words. All right. So we were. Uh... <laughs> We were in the middle of a very, of a very heated yeah, right. argument, and I, I held them off; so they didn't punch you can, each other. Look, you can, you can uh, <laughs> when you're standing, you can like yeah. your, your diaphragm is expanded, That's right? right? Yeah, you can get more yeah. aggressive. So
0: we're so we're talking about Medicare for all. And I, there's many things we can talk about on the topic. One topic that comes up, of course, is the cost. Is, is so so those who oppose say, "Oh, we we cannot possibly afford this." Those who advocate for Medicare for all say, "Well, it's going to cost less than what we're currently doing." So if you say we can't afford it, it's like, well, this costs less, you know? So, <laughs> so let's, um, let's, let's talk with Dr. Weisbart here. So, so can, you, can you explain to us uh, how is it that those who advocate for Medicare for All would say that Medicare for All would cost less than what we're currently doing?
2: Sure, because there's buckets of evidence showing that Medicare would cost less. for example, Medicare today um, has a two percent overhead, according to the Medicare Trust fund report. Yes. Medicare today employs about six thousand people to take care of the fifty or so million sickest Americans. The insurance industry has a fifteen to twenty percent overhead and employs, I think, about four hundred and fifty thousand people taking care of the not so sick people. yeah, so yeah. we we have the average we have nine hundred thousand hospital beds in the United States. 900,000, and we have roughly 900,000 people employed by hospitals to manage the billing and insurance functions of the insurance industry. In Canada, hospitals have one billing person for several hundred beds because... We, they don't have to waste the kind of money on the infrastructure that we waste here. I'm not going to win the yeah. argument on cost because um, Mike just told us that even if we could prove that this system would cost less than our current system, he would still say it's unaffordable. So with that kind of linear no, thinking, no, I'm no, not going to go down w- this road listen, any further. I would say
1: it's unaffordable. But even if you could prove to me that let's say the $32 trillion estimate is right, okay, let's just assume that we, we magically know that that's right. Okay. And that you're telling me if we kept on our current way, that it would be 34 million over, or, I'm sorry, 34 trillion over that same amount of time. I'm not arguing that it's less affordable. And again, I'm, we're assuming these numbers are all right. I'm, <laughs> uh, my first argument would be no government program ever comes in on budget, but I'm assume, we'll assume it's right. It's right at the barrel of a gun, right? Under our private plan, if I don't like what I like, I can just go change, I can go find something else. If it's just one plan and everything else is illegal, if I don't like it and I tell the IRS I'm not going to pay my taxes because I don't like it, they will throw me in jail at the end of a barrel of a gun. And you're never going to convince someone like me that raising my taxes is better than allowing me to take my own money and go do my own thing with it. Just like Social Security, right? If I could just invest that stuff privately, God knows how much money I'd have at the end of my retirement as it is now. They force me. They take my money. And then when I when I turn sixty five or whatever it is now, I get a little amount each month. I would rather have the choice to take my own money and buy my own health insurance and buy my own retirement plan, not be forced to put it into you a see,
2: it's called a civilization in a society and <laughs> a community, what? right? I'm just telling we you we want but <laughs> yeah. but that's the way that societies uh, right. are designed to work, is that we, we all pitch in to help out each other because the day before you're in a terrible burn that you don't you don't want to pay for the burn unit. But somebody has to pay for the burn unit so that it's ready the day that you need
1: it. Nobody thinks they're
2: going to have the heart attack. Nobody thinks they're going to have the stroke. And the day before you have your heart attack or stroke, the crummy insurance that you bought to have a lower premium so that you can save some money and not have to pay those government dollars, that crummy insurance that is the one that doesn't take care of you when you're sick. Everybody loves their crummy insurance the day before their heart attack.
1: But this is – I'm just trying to tell you what my line of thinking is because just like I told you off the air – you're never going to convince someone like me. Yeah, so let's change the subject. Uh, you're you're never going <laughs> to convince someone like me to give the government more of my money. Never, It's never going to happen. And there's a lot of people like me, you know, maybe 50% of the country, but close, who you are never going to be able to convince them to have them or their business give more money to the government and let the benevolent government take care of them. We are not going to think that way. I'm see, just think telling you. I think happen. you're wrong. I think people
2: are more concerned about how much money they have in their pocket at the end of the day. People are more concerned about whether they have a hundred dollars or hundred and twenty dollars left at the end of that workday than they are about whether, you know, who do do you really care who pays your doctor? No, you care that you can go see your doctor, but whether it's the insurance company or the government that pays your doctor, people don't care about that as much as they care about can I go to the doctor? Today's system says no, you often can't.
0: Yeah. And and I think one one thing to bring up is I, I do have a lot of patients who are in their early sixties and usually when they when they hit that 65 mark and change to Medicare they they experience that as an upgrade I've, I've, I've never I've sure. never heard a patient say yeah. say oh darn you know no. so look. I was like oh I'm glad to get rid of that private insurance sure. you know and let's thank goodness it's Medicare now so you know I don't know so I I, I th- and know, hey look especially in
1: my specialty Medicare does work extremely well uh-huh. f- let's cut the break now for certain no yeah, cut I, the look, break. I don't- All I wanted you to know is how I just want you to know how we're thinking, because a lot of times in these debates, you don't even know. You just you just you know, you're set in your ways and we're set in our ways and you just start yelling at each other. That is really where we're coming from, though. You're you're almost I I promise you, you're never going to be able to convince someone like me that it's a better idea to give more of my money to the government and have the government tell me what to do with it. It, you will never change my brainwaves. So the government's gonna, not
2: about to tell you what to not, do with it. The government's about happen. to say that you can do whatever you want with it, that nobody's going to tell you you have to go get your whatever. They're going to tell you that if you want to go get your whatever, you're not going to have to go Are they tell me how your I got?
1: It. They're going to tell me how long I have to wait to do it?
2: So the average Canadian, for example, since you brought yes. up waiting lists, 80% of Canadians wait less than four months for elective surgery. For, for emergent surgery, they don't wait at all. Yeah. They don't wait at all. Whereas people here have to wait to save up money to get their breast, surgery, their, 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 their breast cancer taken care of. I mean, I've seen people all the I saw somebody about a month ago in the free clinic where I volunteer. I saw somebody about a month ago who came in with end-stage emphysema. She didn't bring her oxygen tank with. She was huffing and puffing at rest. I said, where's your oxygen tank? She said, and this is in the United States of America. She said, I can't afford oxygen. Right. I can't afford oxygen oxygen hey, l- that shouldn't listen, be possible listen i'm mm, not yeah.
1: disagreeing with you that we have to do something i just don't think medicare for all is is it but i'm not saying we don't need to do something um mm. and obviously we, we're not we got one show we're gonna have to bring him back like five times okay because they're just they're, so, they're just well they're just, you heard that yeah, what you do right. next week no. they're just there's so many po- yeah really oh well that's yeah. right yeah. there's just so many things to go about um, but you do have to understand where each side is is coming from. I completely understand where the Medicare for All side comes from. In that mm-hmm. our current system is not working for everybody. It's clear. It's clear. So that I get that, and it would be just wonderful if every single person had complete open access to healthcare whenever they wanted, and costs were not an issue. I completely understand that. But the other side needs to understand where someone like me comes from, which is. It's going to, you're going to be very hard-pressed, if not impossible, to ever convince me, just me and people like me, that giving especially this government more of my money to, to, and having them take so care let me, of me. Let, let me ask so you then, Mike. If, that's if, never going to happen. If,
2: if this were 1965 and we were discussing whether or not to raise taxes to pay for Medicare – would you have said, no, we should not do Medicare? Should we Should we dismantle Medicare? Should we stop Medicare?
1: I think Medicare works very well for certain populations. And I actually see that with my specialty, because mm-hmm. I mainly deal with older people with cataract surgery and kind of eyelid stuff. Mm-hmm. And it does work very well, in some instances, better than private insurance for those things. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, then why should we
1: not? Why, because, why do we
2: not let people into that program?
1: Because, um, because I think for certain populations it works well. But I think for other populations, it does not work well. And if it's a one-size-fits-all, that's where I think it loses its effect because sure. definitely our healthcare is not one-size-fits-all. We all, dif- we all have different needs. And that's why I think forcing us all into the same system where there is no alternative. In fact, the alternative is illegal, right? Bernie Sanders says you literally, there cannot even be a private system off to the side. And the reason he says that is he knows if there's a private system off to the side, that we're just going to go, I'll pay my taxes and all that, but I'm just going to go get the private system off well, to the side. Well, there,
2: there is one model where we've seen a private system off to the side competing against the public system, and that's Medicare Advantage. So okay. in Medicare Advantage, what we've seen is, number one, they had to legislate to be overpaid. So legislatively, <laughs> Advan- Medicare Advantage is paid more than for the same person in Medicare. Number two, we've seen that in Medicare Advantage, this competing with the public system of Medicare – when you Medicare Advantage works great until you get sick and when people get sick in Medicare Advantage that's when they decide that oh my god this is nowhere near as good as Medicare traditional yeah. Medicare is mm-hmm. and so we've seen this over and over again that that in this public system competing against the private system they wind up with the healthier people in the private system and and we socialize the care for the public system and they want so Public, private. and do, But nobody's saying that you can't sell private insurance that's different from what the government would be providing. So if the if, so if Medicare for all, for example, wouldn't cover a private room, if you don't medically need one, you could buy and they could sell insurance for private rooms or for anything else that's not medically necessary.
1: Yeah. Um, and then so before I do want you to talk about what do you tell the the physicians and hospitals and other healthcare providers that they're going to have to take a 40 percent reduction in pay?
2: Well, for some reason, uh, physicians for the last 15 years have been migrating into Canada from the United States. For the last 15 years, physicians in the United States are the second least happy physicians in the world, second only to yeah. Germany. They're less happy. I don't know why, but they are <laughs> less happy um, because we're we're so frustrated at seeing people that we know it's wrong and we can't help them. We're so frustrated. The average physician in Missouri has about $200,000 in accounts receivable. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's and that accounts receivable is nearly a year old. This yeah. doesn't exist in Canada. The average physician, our progress notes in the United States are four times longer than the progress notes anywhere else in the world. So we spend most you, of our time wasting it. I get it. it. So, yeah. so are, are you saying
1: kidding. that? you would go to a... Phys- I'm sorry, we're coming out here and I'm not doing this on purpose. So we'll come back to it. So what I want you to think about over break, doctor, is are you saying you would tell those physicians and hospitals, look, you're going to take a reduction in pay, but your advantage is you're going to have a lot less of these frustrations and all that. That's what and I want costs. you to...
0: And costs, and a lot less of those costs. Um,
1: so that's what I want you to think about we come. We do have to go to break, so we come back. We'll have more... <laughs> he can answer that question when we come back. More <laughs> Eye on Health after these words.
0: And we're talking with Dr. Ed Weisbart about... Medicare for all. And uh, during the commercial break, we were discussing, let's use the word discussing, <laughs> discussing the issue. Oh, I think he's uh,
1: getting frustrated with me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's yeah. your goal, isn't Bible, it? Like, no, yeah. no, no. Damn, no. It I just want, hey, I just want to know what I'm yeah. thinking. That's all. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, you can't, you can't find common ground unless you know where the other side's coming from. And I completely understand where your side's coming from. Real quick. Was that a uh, hot for teacher by Van Halen? <laughs> That it definitely was. So that no, I... drum solo at the beginning is a funny story. When mm-hmm. that when that tape came out, yeah, I tell you how those. I was. I was playing it in the back of the car that my dad was driving, and he thought we had a flat tire because of that drum <laughs> solo. <laughs> <You> know, <that's laughs> anyway, don't, I always it think does, of that every time that song like that. comes on. That's what I think about. Okay, does, yeah. so before we went to break, Doctor, I just wanted you to say, what do you tell um, hospitals and physicians who who I think are going to take a a a cut in reimbursement in a plan like this? Um, what do you tell them to sell it to them?
0: Yeah, because I, I want it, do I get paid more or do I get paid <laughs> yeah. less? That's what we really yeah. want to know, hey, right? Do I,
1: do I have to do more work for less pay or do I get to yeah. do less work for more pay? Yeah. Or where does, what are you going to tell them? Yeah.
2: How does this affect me? Well, first, for, for the hospital side, you have to recognize that we've been in a hospital crisis for, for decades that's been made a lot worse the last 10 years uh, when we chose the states like Missouri to not expand Medicaid. We've seen a record number of hospitals closing in the last few years as a consequence of that. And it's been almost entirely, about 80% of it, within states like ours that have not expanded Medicaid. So so the reason hospitals are closing is because we don't pay hospitals in a consistent, reliable way for for uh, for the people that we need to take care of. So hospitals that are providing an important niche, of course you wouldn't want them to close. So of course you would pay them enough to to, to keep their doors open and do a good job at it. So hospitals that are that are meaningful hospitals would of course we would need them and any system that would hamper that would be would be counterproductive by definition that would make people sicker and then they mm-hmm. would be more expensive so unless they uh, die of course the cheap. hospital unless right. they die so of course hospitals would have to be coming out okay on this yeah. physicians likewise you know um there's no n- no place in either bill does it say take today's exact medicare fee schedule and plop that down on the entire medical community. Nobody is proposing that. Medicare's fee schedule today is, 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 in, is inadequate, should be improved on. So, so we would improve Medicare's fee schedule in a lot of ways. And more importantly, perhaps, we would greatly reduce the overhead that doctors have in practice greatly reduce it the average doctor today spends about 99000 dollars the most recent Milliman study 99000 dollars on office staff who just manage the insurance industry and how do they get how do they pay that 90, 99000 dollars they do it through the fee schedule the fee schedule today has to be high enough so that we can afford to pay 99000 dollars of office staff in most other countries that's more like about 10 or 15000 dollars of staff so so a fee schedule change that breaks even on that is a lot less work for everybody and is and is fine. We spend as I said earlier, we spend a big chunk of our day as physicians, more sometimes more than half of our day as physicians just dealing with the insurance industry and that's not reimbursable time. So for us to preserve our income, we have to get more money per patient. Whereas we would be so much happier if we were able to spend more of our time, if not all of our time, just doing healthcare. That's what we love to do. And and it turns out that physician incomes in much of the other much much of the rest of the world, in Canada specifically, are actually pretty comparable to physician incomes here. The primary care doctors in Canada get paid a, a little bit more than they do here, and some of the ultra subspecialists, um, you know, get paid a little bit less than they do here. But overall, you know, physicians actually, as a consequence of the fee schedule piece, are migrating into Canada.
1: Yeah, um, for subspecialties, I can tell you that, especially in my field, ophthalmology, it is it's significantly less in Canada, um, and so a lot of them will work in a kind of a private setting half the time, and then they do their their government uh, amount, mm-hmm. and they'll th- to to make up the difference in income. But it, it's significantly less for like a like a cataract surgeon in, in Canada. But that's that's neither here nor there. Um, so so you're telling telling us that. Even even though there will have to be some sort of cut here because um, Medicare for all is not going to pay 140 percent of current Medicare. It's just not going to happen. Right. Um, But what you may lose in income, maybe you make up because you don't have to pay as much staff and all of that. and You're not doing as much many hours at the office and all that. What happens with the malpractice situation? You know, malpractice insurance is a huge expense for physician practices. I know in France they have an interesting system with theirs where it's, to, it's just like a government fund of money that goes out. <clears throat> so what what are your ideas on, on that? Sure. Next? So
2: two, two things. First, first um, in terms of income for ophthalmologists, as much as I'm sensitive to your plight, I'm frankly more concerned. About all the people who go bankrupt because they can't afford their chemotherapy. Right. Those people why, bother me that, a lot more why than why I an said here nor is making there. a bit less money. I get I'm sorry it. to I, tell you. But, yeah, I, but yeah, I, I think I that's it. a much more important point. I think you design a healthcare system around that problem, yes. not around the I other get it. problem. I get it. Yep. So in terms of malpractice though why do people sue their, you know, and it's right, our malpractice here, I think in Missouri for an internist is about $19,000 this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Canada, it's around two or $3,000. So so why is it that our malpractice rates here are so high? Why do people sue us? They sue us because they had something bad happen, be it our fault or, or not our fault. Uh, and then they want someone to pay for the future cost of their health care. So what you find when you have universal health care is that the reason to sue us is plummets. So there are a lot fewer lawsuits in countries where the future cost of healthcare is already paid for. And then if they do find against us, the biggest single piece of the judgment against us is for the future cost of healthcare. So far fewer lawsuits, far smaller judgments against us. And at the end of the day, malpractice actually plummets. And Deep. we are the only country where physicians go to their legislators and the legislators put their hands up and go, oh my God, malpractice. I get it. Malpractice. We're the only country. And that's yeah. because of how perverse
1: our system is today right right very good mm-hmm. okay hey we got to go but we'll have you back because we didn't we didn't even touch on it
0: interesting very, discussion. very good very so, very thanks good so discussion. much for coming on yeah. very interesting stuff
1: yeah. and it's yeah look it's all over the media now we got to, we have to talk about it and come okay. up with things so we will have you back in so we can talk about some yeah. of the other issues it's just not enough to go in an hour so this is hey. just
0: like a group therapy
1: session you know I at <laughs> the right end right. of this, you'll link arms hey, everyone and sing have a great Kumbaya thanksgiving and don't talk about this at the, <laughs> don't talk about this at the thanksgiving table would yeah. you agree don't talk about this at thanksgiving <laughs> just don't go there all right have a great weekend guys
0: all right